There's no hope. Fuck everything. Go Big Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko. Joining me this week is Todd Wolverton. And as always, he is now the face of not just coordination, where he is the founder and our fearless leader. He is the face of Husker fans across the globe. He is infamous. He has he hasn't been this viral since college. He's the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. John Johnston with us again. We'll start with you, John. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to record your regularly scheduled podcast recording this and every week. You've been busy. No, no. Stop. Stop. I'm usually, you know, I'm usually such a requested person. You got tossed around on The Athletic. You were on a podcast with uh, former NFL players, one a Husker won a Shattered State Eagle. Yeah. You you have made the internet rounds more than Kim Kardashian. You know what I'm talking about. Um, how does it feel that your angst and your just frustration is uh, you are the voice of the voiceless? Well, I it. You know, I'm surprised. I got a nasty email from somebody today, but I am. That's it, pretty much. I am surprised that I haven't gotten more flack or feedback or negative. You know, people telling me I'm a horrible person, and I guess maybe that reflects. That actually does reflect where what where people at or with Nebraska football, because uh, you haven't asked for credentials yet for another event. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I wanted to go to Madison this year and I keep thinking about it. Uh, I would love to go be on the field at Madison because I think Camp Randall is an amazing place to be. And I'd, I'd love to do more photography, honestly, but uh, I would also like my, my regular IT job to calm down because it's just kicking my ass with all the security stuff I've had to do lately. And that, that actually has been exhausting, but um, it's been weird. I, you know, Mitch Sherman got a hold of me and he said, can I call you and do an interview? And I thought, you know, I'd a little bit apprehensive at first and kind of going, okay, is this going to be like, uh, you know, you're a horrible person, piece of garbage and you shouldn't, you know, do this stuff. And, and he was really nice about it. And he, you know, they did the article at the athletic and uh, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I am shocked that it blew up. I honestly am. I thought, uh, you know, I've been doing these for a little bit and I never considered that one of them would just blow up, but I thought that I would slowly grow a, you know, group of people on YouTube that like watching the reaction videos. And uh, there, I guess this one just took off and I it probably took off because, you know, you watch the Minnesota game and you're like, what What the hell did we just do? <laughs> and I, I want to point, I, I point out that so there's something about Minnesota. And if Haas, uh, our, our beloved, um, uh, you know, long lost 
co-host Haas Reuter, if he were here, he'd say the same thing because Haas and I did our very first five heart special post-game edition after a very frustrating loss to Minnesota. So there's something about Minnesota that, uh, to borrow a, a phrase from Family Guy, really grinds our gears for some reason. Um, but but Todd, let let's uh, get let you allow a couple words in since you know we pay you those big bucks. We might as well get our money's worth. Um, Todd, uh, you took in the game not from Minnesota. You watched as I did on television. Yeah, incredibly frustrating game. I mean, it, and. When you say there's something about Minnesota, um, yeah, there is. I, I just don't know what it is. I think it's, to be honest with you, I think perhaps there's a tinge of arrogance thinking that Nebraska is better than Minnesota. Um, we all know Nebraska is better than Minnesota. We act like Nebraska is better than Minnesota. But when we go out there on the field, uh, we're so damn, I don't know. I don't know if it's overconfident or blasé or apathetic, or what the hell it is. But they have flat punched Nebraska in the mouth the last three games. And to be quite honest, it's it's been embarrassing. Uh, you know, P.J. Fleck, say what you will about him, but he's, he's a very good football coach, and he has put together a team that plays very hard, and uh, they're not very fancy, and uh, they're, very, they're, they're physical. And if you're going to go in there and just think all you have to do is show up with an N on the side of your helmet and you're going to walk out with a victory, they're going to prove you otherwise. And uh, it's, to me, it, it's, it's very frustrating uh, watching the Nebraska football team play against them the last three times. And, you know, the other part of it is, and I've, I've mentioned this from time to time, and I, I won't go into it in depth, but, you know, I wish our head coach would shut his damn mouth and, and, and not, you know, put crap out there that blows up and makes everybody look bad. You know, he took a shot at P.J. Fleck in the preseason about, you know, sloganeering or his, you know, we're not – we're not big on slogans and all that kind of stuff in reference to row your boat. Well, you know what? Row your boat works for PJ Fleck and those players have bought into it. It's an all for one, one for all mentality up there. And I haven't seen that happen at the university of Nebraska since Scott Frost has been the coach there. So say what you will, but PJ Fleck has flat ass out coached Scott Frost the last three years and Minnesota's been the better team on the field each of those Saturdays. And I'm fed up with it. Wow. There you, you go. Should go out, you should go on the field at Huntington Bank Stadium and voice your opinion on a video. <laughs> I'm not as <laughs> handsome as you, John. What's that? I, it? Wouldn't, I wouldn't have groupies, you know, <laughs> texting me wanting to hook up. Did I have that? I'm sure I'm sure you're and would you tell us if you did? Well, one of my daughter's friends said texted me and said, I see you on the field because I turned my phone off. I put it in airplane mode because there's so much shit going on in the sidelines. Uh, you know, Goldie Gopher rides this freaking tricycle motorcycle thing 
And if you're not paying attention, he'll just run over your ass. He almost ran over my hand. This like, if I wouldn't have moved, he would have ran over my hand. But there's shit tons going on the on the sideline. So later, when I got the text, I texted her back and I said, "Be honest. Do I look like a homeless person got onto the field by mistake?" And she said, "Well." And so there you go. Uh, but, you know, going back to the P.J. Fleck thing, I don't know if Scott Frost took a shot directly at Fleck. I think we put those words into his head. But he certainly did say the thing about sloganeering. But I think he could take a, a, a page out of Fleck's book when he does his postgame pressers and just stop saying stupid things. And I don't mean, I don't mean the thing about sloganeering. I mean – did did he or did he not say that uh, the players weren't up for the game and he thought that would be up to the team leaders? Was that something he said? John, I don't know if he said that, but Fleck has been blasted for what he said in his presser afterwards. Oh, the culture versus skill thing? Yeah. Oh, you know what? P.J. Fleck, I'll tell you what, P.J., even the Minnesota fans I know, know that P.J. Fleck is all about P.J. Fleck. He is an excellent marketer. There is a reason why he runs up and down the field. And you know what I mean? He is excellent at that. And you can complain about that all you want, but he's beaten us and he's in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. So if he beats Iowa and Wisconsin, he can win the Big Ten West and go to the Big Ten championship game and then go to USC at the end of the year. You know, with a damn big race. And he, he looks good in maroon stretchy pants, but I can't wait to see him in bright yellow gold stretchy pants. That will remind me of a young man that I knew back in 1982 playing intramural football at the University of Nebraska <laughs> by the name of John Johnston, who had the tightest oh God. bright yellow sweatpants. I was chicken legs, John Johnston. <laughs> Something to behold. Did they leave anything to the imagination or was everything pretty much there for you? Pretty much there, Greg. <laughs> and that's how he landed Mrs. Coronation. I'll bet you, all you bachelors out there. I'll bet you she's seen him a number of times in those form-fitting <laughs> yellow. You think on special occasions she just goes, hey, big boy, why don't you bust out those 80 sweats? I think we have uh, I think we have photos of that somewhere. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, no. PJ Fleck, he is a damn good marketer, you know. Yep. And you can think about Fleck is this: when you looked at that game, and Isaiah, you know, my rotten son and I have made fun of Fleck for maybe he'll break out his fourth play of the game. But the thing about him is, is he runs the same damn plays over and over. There, there's no secret as to what he's going to do. And, and did, okay, I didn't. The, the beginning of the game, did we really come out with like five linebackers? You remember the alignment? Because it's hard to see on the field, you know, like what so. you can. I don't think so because they were playing. They were playing like seven offensive linemen, and I don't know. Seriously, seriously. Yeah, I, I don't think they do that in that formation with Kramer. And here's what I like about flex offense is we heard from Scott Frost that they couldn't run as much our off option because Adrian Martinez was hurt. Okay. What you see Minnesota do under Fleck all the time is he runs two quarterbacks. He'll give, 
you know, he'll get uh, Morgan's been in there for most of the, the plays, but then on third downs, he'll bring in a big, a different quarterback whose job it is to run a very specific set of different same plays. And that killed us in that game when Kramer would keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball. And then once he did an RPO and threw the ball, and then the last dagger was when he handed off on a counter, I think it was, or a misdirection play was the game, the play that won the game. And I believe it was Kramer running that offense at that time. But, I mean, he can figure out how to use two quarterbacks in very specific packages but damage people. And I guess I, I don't know, you know, maybe I am back to bitching about Scott Frost's offense, but that here we are with the problem again. Well, we we do shit in the first half. We did nothing, you know, and, and I I don't think, and, and, you know, some people will say, you know, screw this, but um, they had two weeks to prepare for Nebraska. They did. And, and I, I, I think, that, you know, you, you brought this up about the option and I commented on the thread, you know, during the, the game. It, it looked to me like 1980s defenses stringing out, you know, Oklahoma and, and, and Nebraska's option. I mean, you know, Fleck went back to the old school defense and said, you know, Nebraska, you're going to try to run that damn option. Well, we're going to make you we're going to make you run out of real estate. We're going to string you out and, and you figure it out now. You know, they did have a couple of options, you know, that had some positive yardage, but it certainly wasn't the weapon that we'd seen in previous weeks. And again, once again, Scott Frost got out coached by PJ Fleck. And, you know, you can talk all, you know, they had two weeks to prepare, but where the hell was the attitude? Where was the emotion? Where was the excitement from this team? I mean, it looked like they rolled out of bed, you know, at 1030 and said, oh, my God, do we got to play in a half an hour? Oh, I mean, it, it was absolutely one of the most pathetic starts that I've seen to a Nebraska football game in a long time. It was bad. I, it was the end of a stretch of, of really a lot of, I think, good Yes, could have been better, but good football by Nebraska. Absolutely. You know, uh, last week against Michigan, uh, two weeks back against, or, you know, last, uh, as we are dropping this, you know, of course, we're in the midst of the bye week, but, you know, uh, before Minnesota was Michigan, then Northwestern, Michigan State, Oklahoma, and, you know, sure, Buffalo and Fordham. Um, but I felt like they had were improving every week up until – this Minnesota game and be it, be it the, you know, the, and I'll call it an excuse. It could be in a reason I'll call it an excuse of Minnesota having the bye week and two weeks to prepare. Um, I'll call it uh, absolutely uh, 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 looking uninspired in the first half. They, they, they didn't put themselves in any positions. You know, they they were in the uh, locker room against Michigan down 13, nothing but they came back fighting in the third quarter. They did not put themselves in any position with any, you know, forward momentum to, you know, try to really, in my opinion, compete um, and and get the win in this Minnesota game. Uh, And then there was, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. I'm sure talk about some more, the the play calling. And I don't know if it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to use the word outcoached, that's been used already. I'm not here to dispute that, but 
when you have the weapon who is your you know seasonal leading rusher in Adrian Martinez and his his biggest the, the biggest asset for Martinez is you know he can take off and run like that and you don't call his number at all if he's hurt and we've said this the past 3 years if he's hurt he shouldn't be out there if an injured Taylor Martinez or hurt, I guess if he's injured, he's probably not out there, but if a hurt Taylor Martinez is still your best option, then you need to recruit some better fucking quarterbacks or you need to um, train up. uh, The word is escaping me, uh, but you need to get some, some better options there Uh, because I thought that he had, you know, windows to run downfield, extend a drive, extend a, a series, you know, get, get points. Um, and he just never took off. He, he was throwing, I think, short armed quite a bit. Uh, but one of the big ones that mm, still uh, chaps my ass to this moment is if you have fourth and inches and you're going to go for it, don't set yourself back four yards by going from the shotgun. I've seen it from Scott Frost for four years, and every time it pisses me off. If you don't have that much faith in your offensive line to get inches, I can get inches. All right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> inches are all I have, you know. Well, you know <laughs> but, but, but go under center. It's not difficult. This, you, this you really got, bothers you. This yeah, bothers well, a lot of people. John's going to tell have, you that's we were not just, what Nebraska does. Oh, Nebraska, okay. and, and, and I get it, but God damn it, you put that into your arsenal. You practice that so that you can use it when you need it. We, we just heard, we just saw graphics, hype, whatever you want to call it, Remington Award watch list, Cam Jurgens, you know, hasn't allowed a sack, you know, blah, 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 blah. If you're Remington Award watch list candidate center can't give you enough of a push from under center to get you inches, then replace him because he shouldn't be out there. Why would you set yourself back 12 feet, which is four yards for those of you doing math at home, when all you have to do is literally Okay, push. Oh, touchdown. Instead, you're four yards back, you hand off, and your true freshman, who I do have great confidence in, everybody fucking stumbles. So I'm, you know, I'm I will forgive as long as it doesn't become habitual. Uh, but your true freshman, you know, gaffs, makes a mistake, falls down, you don't get the points. I, I take your anger and show you Josh Allen trying to do a, a quarterback sneak on Monday I Night Football. You're going to bring that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then may I may I offer another? Perhaps no. even no. I'm going to now. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer. I'm no longer asking permission, John. This is my fucking show. Okay, uh, you might be the face, but this is my show. <laughs> Then what, what happens if you pull back I formation extra blocker 
You get a tight end in motion, maybe even. You get numbers on the line. Oh, my God, a thing could happen. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> we don't need fullbacks. Okay, what do we need, John? You know what we need? We need Samari Torre with with more than one fucking reception for one fucking yard. Do we, we need, need Omar do Manning we need... on the field consistently? Yeah, he had three receptions for 34 yards, Manning. Torre had one reception for one fucking yard. And don't don't tell me that P.J. Fleck could, could design a defense to take Samari Torre and Adrian Martinez completely out of the game. Because that's bullshit. Can, can I, we, don't, I don't know what Nebraska thinks they're doing on offense, but it isn't – there are not taking like – P.J. Flett takes one inside zone play and he makes an offense of one play they can run, one play they can run over and over and over and make yardage. And what do we do? We don't know. We don't know if they're going to do any given moment of any given game. We – Minnesota has – who is it? Jalen Wright? Javon Wright? the Clemson transfer, and they have Ottman Bell as receivers. We have Allen, Falk, Manning, Vokalik, uh, you know, Torre, Oliver Martin. That's We are, have a, an embarrassment of riches of playmakers. And what did we do with them? Not, nothing. Pretty much in the first half, they did nothing. I just want to say, so, first what, of all, the offensive how, coordinator needs to be fucking fired. And if he isn't fired, he needs to be put in the middle of a of the Haymarket area. What do they call that place? The rail yard. Yeah. Just, you know, it's witch's time. Let's find a witch. He's the witch. What the hell? How dare you forget Brody Belt? I don't understand. He started, didn't he? I don't know why. So that, that's like, it. Here, apparently because he did all the things that are required to get a start. Maybe I, 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 I want I want to add what is this, you know, mysterious checklist, you know, uh, and, and I'm torn. I get it because I think that the people who deserve to be out there should be out there. However, I also think that this is not just this is not high school. This isn't even arena league football. This is Big Ten NCAA Division I college football. There are millions of dollars on the line. And there are, is a ravenous fan base, possibly undeservingly so. But we want to see the why are you bringing kids on the onto campus on and putting them on the program who are highly touted? Why are why? Again, no disrespect to the great Levi Falk. But why is he on the field when Xavier Betts, Omar Manning, or not? Greg, I, he does I catch the ball. Hmm? It, well, Falk can catch the ball. Falk, Falk's not bad, but he shouldn't be out there more than Betts and Manning. I mean, they, they ran the option with him, and they got a first down. They run that with Betts, and they have – 50 yards downfield, you know, I mean, there's, and, and I'm not taking anything away. Look, he's, you know, I'm here. Okay. So I'm here. Levi Falk is here. And all right, I'm, I'm going to adjust things for the screen. So I'm going to, and Xavier Betts is here. All right, maybe here, you know, but uh, what I'm saying is, are you, 
creating a culture at the detriment of the program? Well, you have to have the culture later. You know, you have to have the culture in place to win games. You have to have the culture in place where everybody in the team is moving in the same direction, rowing the boat. <laughs> but you're not going to, you're not going to, um, he's not going to last long enough. What the, the uh, extend, prolong the culture. If I just saw it t- today, you know, we're recording this Wednesday night, it's a night earlier than usual. Um, but a, a commit decommitted, you know, a, a kid said, no, nah, I'm going to, you know, try my other options. You're not going to prolong the culture if you're not winning games because you're not going to get the, the players to, you know, to, to maintain a level of success. Um, all, all the, what is it, the Jimmys and Joes or Frankies and Phils or whatever, you know, the uh, you need those at Nebraska, but they cannot be the entire roster well greg i i I agree with you 100 percent. and i'll tell you what you know some of the real stud athletes they must absolutely fuck around at practice so bad (laughs) that they don't deserve a spot out on that field i mean they must just be off to the side playing grab ass you know uh and 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 you know messing around so horrible that their their practice habits, you know, keep them from being out on the field. I don't. And, that, and, and I'm all for I'm all for work hard at practice. I am. I coached, and you had to put it together at practice. You had to show me at practice that you were ready to be out on the field. But holy moly, how bad must it be? That, that's that's my that's. And I'm 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 100 in agreement. There needs to be accountability. I'm not saying. Let, you know, let, let your four star, your big recruits, your big names, you know, half asset, grab asset, whatever. Uh, and then be rewarded with more playing time. But what is this mysterious checklist of, of qualifications that these guys aren't meeting? Is it being on time? Is it, you know, hitting the study room? Is it going to class? What is, I, I, I want to know you know, I want to know for me what, what these guys aren't doing. And if they're not willing to put in the time, then replace them. And I don't mean replace them for a quarter and a half or whatever it is, uh, replace them with Levi Falk and Brody fucking belt. I mean, there's the transfer portal. Let's get some guys in here who want to do things the right way, who want to be dependable and accountable and get those guys in. There's a way to do it, but without knowing this, uh, you know, this, again, I, I call it mystery because I don't know, you, you know, w- without knowing the, this checklist of, all right, hmm, here was three minutes late, so we're going to not let him play three series in the first half. Uh, he uh, got a C minus. That's, you really should have a C plus. He's not going to play in the third quarter because C is the third letter of the alphabet, of course. I don't know. What, you know, what is this? Uh, what are they not doing? What are what are we the fans? Obviously, the people outside of the program. What are we not seeing uh, them, you know, uh, uh, allegedly not doing that is keeping them off the field? I just want to know. I just well, want to know the 10 things that each player needs to do to make sure that they're on the field on Saturday. I'm not going to tweet at the players. Did you go to class today? Did you uh, make it to, to practice on time? I'm not going to do that. It's not my job. 
I'm not holding anybody's fucking hand. Uh, I've always maintained, you know, we're not at practice. We don't see the guys practice. And so there has to be, you know, a, de- a degree of trust that the people that are there are putting the guys who deserve to be out on the field. But when this happens again and again, you really have to start questioning what the hell is going on at practice. I mean, it to me, and, and Greg, I'm like you, they, you got Samari Torre, you got Omar Manning, you got Oliver Martin. Those guys are leaps and bounds above the next level of receivers. And the fact that they're not out there the majority of the time is troublesome to me. Every one of those three guys is, is a, he, he, can, he can make plays. They're playmakers. All three of those guys are. A follow-up question in regards just to that. Has there been a time where Betts, Allen, Manning, and Torre have been on the field at the same time? To the best of your recollection, I know that's, you know, you're looking at, oh, you know, a couple hundred offensive plays. I get it. But has there been a time where all four of the biggest downfield threat weapons have been on the field at the same time? And if not, why not? And I, I'm so I should have put bets in with those other four. I'm glad you added. I don't know. I don't know if they've been out there or not, all four at the same time. But man, I don't know. I, I'm just. It is what it is. I guess. If we're not going to take advantage of our downfield weapons, then let's just, you know, put blocking tight ends on the on the offensive line. Let's become you know, like the majority of the other Big Ten programs, go back to the I formation, and let's just start pounding the rock four yards, five yards, eight yards, you know, up the middle, soften the offensive or defensive line a little bit until the third third quarter, fourth quarter, where they're good and weakened, and then you can, you know, gash them for, for big runs. I don't care. I don't, I don't, as long as we're, again, doing things right, we're not cheating. We're not New England patriating, uh, you know. As long as we're doing the things right, and, and I don't care how we win, I'm, I'm the, the Minnesota loss, uh, the Illinois loss. Those are two losses that should have been wins. I'm not going to look. The people who are going to, you know, hate listen to this or hate watch this on YouTube, uh, you know, who are uh, fans of other teams. First of all, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for being here, I guess. Um, but they're going to say that I'm great. We have been in every game this season. I'm not going to say we would have won. I'm not saying we should be eight. No, right now, but we should be better than three and five, you know? Uh, and, and it's, it's exceptionally frustrating that our only three wins have come against the bottom of the barrel teams. Sorry, Northwestern. Um, you know, we've got Fordham. Uh, Buffalo was supposed to be good because they were good last week or last year, and they're showing their asses. Uh, and we're looking at it now. If we don't, if we don't take the fullest advantage of this bye week and figure things out, we're not going to win another game. You know, we've got. Look, you, I don't know the exact order. I forgive you, uh, or forgive me. I forgive you too. Uh, but. Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa uh, may or may not be in that order. But look, I don't. 
none of those are gimmies, you know, uh, um, and God forbid Purdue plays like they played uh, against Iowa, (laughs) you know, we're not going to go to a bowl game. I mean, I'm writing off December because I've got nothing to look forward to. I mean, you know, I've got a a kid's birthday and Christmas and family time, things like that. But as far as college football, eh, after Thanksgiving weekend, doesn't matter. Well, you know, we also, and then this is more in John's wheelhouse too, but whoever would have thought that Teddy Prochaska, or I can't say his last name right, a true freshman tackle made such a difference on the offensive line. His absence was, you know, I mean, it just changed the whole dynamic of, of the offensive line. And again, that offensive line is young. It's a young offensive line. But I've, you know, when Nebraska has played well this year, I've always thought in terms of, man, they're doing that with an average at best offensive line. What are they going to be like when they have a real solid offensive line? What is that team going to be able to do? But I'm going to, I'm going to go into the depths of despair. We can shit next year because how many of our uh, defense, how many black shirts are, are, uh, you know, moving on. Four. We're not going to have a defense. We are to stop that. No. We'll be no. Fine. Yeah, we are. We lose four fucking guys. We lose Damian Daniels, Cam Taylor Britt, Markel Dismuke, Deontay Williams, Ben Stilley. Yeah, ben Stilley. His name very much. Okay, you're right. I have not. So that's five. So you're Cam already Taylor wrong. Britt is, do you think he's going pro? Because he hasn't done very well this year. He played decently at Minnesota, I think, or was that Doman? That He's was played Doman. well. Brick's Doman, played Doman's well the, gone. Last, the last couple of games. He really has. You know, he he had a couple of nice pass breakups the last few games. Uh, you know, he had an interception. Uh, he had the interception against Illinois that got called back, but that's not his fault. You, you can't blame him for being in the right place at the right time. You can blame Caleb Tanner for, uh, you know, knocking the the shit out of the backup quarterback for Illinois. Um, but we don't lose our whole defense. <clears throat> we will have a defense. We built one, we solid. can build another one. Defense will be solid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um so Adrian Martinez, the uh eighth year junior quarterback, uh, you know, he'll be back. And probably again, not. No? No. You think he graduated? He will do a grad transfer. He will grad transfer to Texas, and they will win ten games with him. That makes me so sad. On on uh, that makes me sad on a number of levels. And I'll tell you one. First of all, he would go to Texas. <laughs> Secondly, that Texas is going to win ten games. And thirdly, that it's just going to prove that he was misused or uh, ill prepared for w- what was around him. Um, no, that makes you. You have to pick Texas. Why do you have to pick Texas? I'm trying to give you a brain aneurysm. You realize that, right? It's, let him go back home to Fresno. Grad transfer to Fresno State, but not. You know who? You know who severely needs a quarterback to make their offense go. 
That would be Wisconsin. He will grad transfer to Wisconsin just like Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson was fantastic for Wisconsin because he wasn't a Wisconsin quarterback that could just stand in the pocket and throw the ball. He could run and throw. And that'll be Adrian Martinez next year as Wisconsin wins the Big Ten West, then the Big Ten title, beating Ohio State because of Adrian Martinez and going to the college football playoff. Yeah, you feel better, you motherfucker? Huh? You feel better now? <laughs> and we will all be going, oh, thank God we don't have to look at Adrian Martinez be an anti-clutch <laughs> loser when he kicks our ass. Or worse, he goes to Ohio State. They already have state 83 quarterbacks. They don't need Adrian. <laughs> they got that high school senior. <laughs> Should have been quarterback in his high school team down in Texas this year. I think that I think the most astonishing thing about this offense is is you know number one all the playmakers we have and we still don't make a lot of plays. But number two, we have who clearly was the offensive player of this game against Minnesota was Austin Allen, and he's been there all fucking year. And Mr. our red zone offense, Scott Frost comes out and goes, "We got to figure out this red zone offense." I don't know. You got an 18-foot tight end that's going to be in the NFL. <laughs> Maybe you could throw the ball up in the fucking air to him. Maybe you could just toss the ball on a fade, and he could leap in the air with his pretty fucking good hands and catch the ball over a five-foot ten cornerback or safety. Maybe I, you could do that 15 times every game, and you move the ball down the field. I feel like the best use of Austin Allen is I'm in complete agreement with you. Except uh, instead of a like a corner route, it does a post route up to the crossbar on the goalpost. If Adrian Martinez puts it on the money, <laughs> sorry, I, that's so funny. Uh, but puts it in the vicinity. Austin Allen catches it by reaching up, like like almost like he's gonna alley oop dunk it, but he just holds onto it for a touchdown. Why is this so hard? I don't know. Because like, seriously, they go to the red zone and it's like they get terrified of throwing interceptions. So they literally just stop running their offense. Do you and I, they don't need to go under center to do this. They have playmakers all over. They could get the ball to them in space. I realize space gets compressed when they're in the end zone, but they not have they have Austin Allen. I think Omar Manning is hmm tall. Yeah. Samari Torrey. Tall? Didn't we start this season talking about how tall the receivers were and how they'll just be able to climb up into the air and grab balls out of the atmosphere? But apparently not in the red zone because they won't throw the ball in the fucking red zone. John, I want to. I want to. Now go that I t- now that I get into this, Lubick can get the fuck out of Nebraska anytime now. Because if he's the one running this offense, if he is honest to God the offensive coordinator, it's pretty fucking offensive. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. You know, because. Oh, no, I, I want to ask a question. You, we got to figure out this. Red, what are you doing that you can't figure out a red zone offense over the course of what? Five eight, games? Eight games. <laughs> I don't know. You know, everybody's about is Scott Frost going to be fired? If he isn't and he keeps his whole staff together, nobody should bother going to these fucking games or watching them anymore like that's going to happen. Well, apparently there are people that are already thinking about that because I saw today that the athletic department has a buy one, get one free ticket opportunity for the Purdue game. 
buy one, get one free for Purdue. Are you flipping kidding me? It's come to that. It's it has well, they, you know, the savior boy that. is taking the program. Apparently and they can't even around. give away tickets to underprivileged right. kids. Underprivileged kids don't even want to go watch Nebraska <laughs> play football anymore. They don't have any more kids to give tickets to. Idea, yeah, all of this is just, uh, you know, I get that we win a game, we feel good, and we, we lose a game, and we, I don't know, I guess we throw French mustard bottles on the field. We don't go that far, but you know what I mean? We're very upset about it, but you look, and part of that is, part of that is a, a really arrogant attitude toward Minnesota, like we're supposed to be better than them. When right now they have a better head coach than we do, apparently, and they have a team that works. That's the important part. You can have all these playmakers, and I guess that's where PJ took his shot about culture versus skill. And then Scott Frost responds like, I, I'm surprised he said that. He said that because PJ understands how to market himself, and he understands how to poke you in the fucking eye at any moment. Somebody needs to coach Frost about how to do a presser. Honest to God, they need to set him down and say, you know what, maybe things you should just not say. Maybe not be so honest. Maybe be Bill Belichick or be some guy that says, yeah, it was uh, too bad we played that way and let's go on. John, I want to go back to something. This is exhausting. It is. Uh, We won't keep you guys up uh, much longer. I know, Uh, Todd, it's it's about your bedtime and John's got to go condition and moose his uh, uh, silver mane there. But something you said in the uh, uh, post game about, you know, you, you thought, well, at least it'd be different. We'll, we'll lose by two scores. And then what happens? They just march right down the field. Why? Where is that sense of urgency the other 58 minutes of the game? I, you know what? I, I don't. That's the part was starting out slow on offense in the first half. Remember what? the old Osborne teams, Todd? You remember the Osborne teams, what everybody bitched about Tom Osborne about on offense? If he got behind, he didn't have an offense that could come back. Come back, yeah. Right. And everybody forgets those parts where we actually were all angry about Osborne for certain things. And that was one of the big takes on Osborne and why people would be angry at him sometimes is because, well, his running offense, you can't throw the ball unless it's play action. And if we get down two scores, then we lose. Okay. You got PJ Fleck at Minnesota running one inside zone play over and over and over. What happens if he's the one down 21 to nine, he fucking loses. He has won one game that he's been behind at halftime. One. So what's Nebraska do? They come out in the first half, and they don't do what they did against Northwestern, whereas they just go, let's go balls to the walls, baby. They go, I don't know. Maybe we should take it easy. Maybe half our playbook went away when they lined up like they did. (laughs) Shit like that. That's the kind of shit that Scott Frost should never say in front of anybody. And somebody needs to take him aside and say, could you not ever fucking say that shit again? But if you wanted to beat Minnesota, you get them down and you force them to not be themselves anymore. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do that. And that's why they beat us. And 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 Next year, they're going to beat us if we do the same fucking thing. And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. I think the thing that's so 
to borrow your word from a few minutes ago, John, offensive is that we have, I, I believe in my heart, we have the tools to be able to put together a, an offensive game plan to make up some ground. You know, it's not the old Osborne days that, that, that you know, you just uh, uh, recounted there with Todd because you guys are older than dirt. Uh, it's <laughs> you, you have, you can get big plays in a short amount of time. We saw that. We saw that uh, when they moved down the field in, you know, a minute and a half or whatever it was and put up six, uh, they moved the ball quickly. They moved the ball efficiently and they got out of bounds when they needed to. And they scored. My question is if you can do that in the front, you know, in your final possession, when you're just clawing and scratching, why can't you do that in the first couple possessions and, and set a tone that puts you, you in control to your point, rather than having to play from behind. This is not a team uh, that, you know, they, they show, we, look, we were just talking a couple of weeks ago about, you know, how, how they felt, felt like they had made some big improvements. You know, they were down 13, nothing to Michigan. They came back. They, they uh, ended up being the first team to have, uh, you know, give McNamara an interception. They were the first team to, to have a lead all season long over Michigan. They pissed it away. Um, but they, they kept fighting. They made some adjustments at halftime. They got back into it right away in the first minutes of the first drive of that third quarter. There was some urgency there. If you're not starting the game with some urgency, I feel like for Nebraska, because they did against Northwestern, they started with a little urgency. They set the tone from the very first play from scrimmage. If you're not doing that, then you're just letting the, the opposition, your, your opponent, the other team, set the tone. And it never works well for Nebraska in that case. Well, what'd they do when they started? They came out. This is a, I'm down in this end zone, and they're running toward me. So they were way, what, 80 yards away? But you they never ran. If, if I remember, uh, Martinez ran right wide for a loss. And then he, I, he overthrows uh, Allen, I think it was. Yeah. Over the middle. And then he, overthrow, and then he overthrows Martin. And you, you kind of looked at that and you went, okay, I guess it's I, – I, if you go back and you look at that and you go, well, I guess it's going to be that kind of day, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's the problem is, you know, you start bad and everybody goes, oh, fuck it. And I was, uh, I was very excited to watch this game. It was the first game I watched in Nebraska since – September of 2008. Think about that. It's been 13 over 13 years since I watched a game in my adoptive home state uh, with, you know, one of, one of my good friends on his birthday, I was down the road from Scott's bluff. I mean, town. Yes, but the bluff itself uh, also. Uh, And we were just so excited, you know, surprised him for his birthday friend at the show, Josh. uh, And, then, you know, like, look, Nebraska didn't know that I was in, in town. You know, they didn't care that I was in, in Nebraska. Um, but they really, they really, uh, you know, put a dark cloud on, on that, our big day. So uh, I don't know. It's going to take at, at least 13 more days to uh, forgive them for that. Oh, you know, you remember they, what did I say about grad transferring? Yeah, you said Texas, and then you said Wisconsin because you're a bitch. 
What about Minnesota? Fuck you. <laughs> no, I mean, PJ Fleck came up to him after the game. Well, he said, hey, let's look this up real quick. What oh. is what is Tanner Morgan? Tanner Morgan is what? Guess what he is? Uh, he's a senior. Yeah, he's a redshirt senior. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's about 38 years old. Yeah. So, you know, like Minnesota might need BYU. a quarterback next year. By the way, that, that short clip that uh, I think it was BTM put out of, of uh, Flex saying something to Martinez. For the journey, right, on, on Big yeah. Ten Network. I'm in the background of that. <laughs> Are you Martinez is walking away from him. You can see this big gray-haired guy <laughs> in the background because I was looking. For, I was walking across the middle of the field looking for them. I was looking for Martinez. So, John, then, hmm? I think the internet is in agreement with Todd and myself. We're so thankful that you're here and we hope you never change. You know, here's the other funny part of that. Maybe I told you guys already this. Okay. When I went to do this video, right? Here's the thing there's almost nobody on the field. Because Minnesota, here's, Minnesota has a very clear uh, – if you're at a Nebraska game, the guys in the press box will come down to the field and then they'll do their post-game like little video things. Okay, Minnesota does not allow people to come down from the press box and go back on the field. They clear the field after the game. And the security people are out there and they have sectioned off half of the field, right? So nobody's on half of the field. And I walked up to one of the security guys, and I'd recognized him from earlier events. He was the guy in charge. He has a great sense of humor. Uh, you know, I said, I asked, can I go over to there? You know, they've obviously sectioned that part of the field off and, and do a video. And I said, it'll probably be profane because I'm kind of a little upset. And he kind of spins me around. And he points up at the circle on the edge of the stadium. And he says, you see that 1967? And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's the last time the big Minnesota won the big 10. I was born in 1968. So I kind of understand how you feel about, you know, constant frustration. And he, he kind of clapped me on the back and he said, yeah, I just go over there and make your video. So I'm over there doing my video and all of a sudden these freaking little kids start showing up all around me. <laughs> and I was trying to maneuver away from them. So, you know, they wouldn't listen to some kind of ranty old homeless man that made his way into the stadium uh, spew profanity and I noticed one of the dads out of the corner of my eye was trying to get his kids away from me at the same time he was laughing his ass off but uh, that's what happened when I did the video um, so I but, thought I'd have that whole area to myself and suddenly it wasn't to, to bring things full circle from the top of the show uh, when Todd joked about uh, you still you know you wanting to go to Camp Randall and yeah, but you haven't requested any more sideline credentials. <laughs> I think based on how positively you spoke about Minnesota and the game day atmosphere, I think that other uh, Big Ten schools would love to have you sideline, John, and, and uh, to bring your wacky sideshow uh, with you. Here's the art- bi-week article I'd like to write, but um, I, I'm overrun with everything. I want you to look at how I want you to look at every Big Ten stadium and look at where the teams come out yeah. relative to where their student sections are. 
and we don't have to do this because everybody else in the Big Ten does it, but when, you, when you're down there at the end zone, you know, Minnesota has this big wide tunnel to come out and the band comes out of it and Goldie Gopher on his damn tricycle motorcycle thing comes out of it that tries to kill me. And, you know, everybody comes out. Where's the student section? The student section is right above that. Okay. So the first thing that happens is the team comes out and the students are above them screaming their brains out because they're there to have fun. Right. And they have more fun when they win, but they're usually there having fun because it's a great social event for them. And when what happens after the game is over? All those students that are student athletes that they go to class with walk back to that entrance and all those students are still there waiting for them. Mm. And the band is there waiting for them. And then they all stand on the field. And I have photos of this. And it's kind of cool. They stand there and they line up now. And this is one thing Fleck has done. And they sing their school fight song or some damn. Maybe they sing, ha, 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 Nebraska, you suck ass. And we're going to kill you every time you come here. La, la, la. But they, it's a nice moment for them. And what does Nebraska do with their student section? They go put it way that fuck across the stadium yeah. and stick them up into the stands. Because they're so worried about selling every freaking dime they can for tickets. If they want to have people come to games in the future and enjoy themselves as students who are there now, move the fucking student section so it's right where the tunnel is. So that when they return after the game is done, that they can come back to their own set of students waiting for them. There and that's the article I'd like to write to Trev Alberts. I seriously do. Nebraska is in a really tenuous place right now. We have a savior coach who is not a savior, a native son who is failing miserably. And we have a sellout streak that everybody thinks is some unbelievable. Oh my God, if we lose it, everything, the end of the world is coming. And you know what I mean? We are so tied to tra- tradition. That we're like a lot of other, you know, empires of the past became tied to their own things that they had to do because they always did it this way. But if we don't change, and that doesn't just include our coaches, if we don't change, then we're, we're don't look forward to us. You know, we'll be what fine Paul Feinbaum likes to make fun of, which is a second-rate has-been team. So there you go. That's my rant for the evening. Have we talked in the past? I know. Uh, the last couple home games, you know, were prime time, uh, you know, so they, they do the big, you know, cool display after the third quarter. But I've been thinking about it, and, and I love Alan Parsons' project. I love Sirius. I do. Uh, I walked into my wedding reception to that song. I put a horseshoe on the head table that I went and touched, uh, you know, at right at the outset. My wife, you know, it's like the one thing guys get, I think at, at the, the, the wedding day is to pick what song they get to, uh, you know, go, go into the reception to, but uh, so, you know, but the, the tunnel walk is, it's just clapping and the music and, you know, there's an energy. I know that there's an, I haven't felt it myself, but there, but then I watch videos of Blacksburg, Virginia with enter Sandman Right. And and how that crowd moves the needle. 
I mean, Nebraska's last two home games have been, you know, you talked about this, Todd. Yeah. Uh, they've been amazing. And now you can't even get people to buy fucking tickets to Purdue. Atmosphere, atmosphere has been incredible. But, you know, I, I do hear where you're coming from, Greg. And, you know, I, I, before 15 years ago, I was arguing, why doesn't the band change up their pregame performance? I mean, they've been doing the same damn thing since 1982 it's the same thing but you know john's nailed it with you know nebraska is so stuck on i i mundane mundane traditions when are they gonna hand out the black shirt yeah to it to appease really i i I think a small percentage of this fan base You, you move the students you're going to piss off a few season ticket holders yeah. and they'll be mad for about five years and then they're dead and somebody <laughs> else is going to occupy, I mean, occupy those seats. I was going to, I, not to, not to cut in, but uh, you know, the, the minority who would be the most gravely offended, you know, pun intended or not uh yeah they're they're short for this world and it's a morbid statement and i apologize but no, for no. So, don't so, apologize okay i don't so predating the five heart podcast you've got to go back to 2012 i think brian and i used to do the detasseling the huskers uh mail-in podcast where you know people send us questions we do our best to answer them or at least have fun we had a, a almost a decade ago we had a word for you know the that particular clientele that particular uh population of memorial stadium on game day the blue hairs yeah they're who who do we want to cater to not we but you know who does the athletic department want to cater to Do, do the people who sit and you know and say sit down i can't say or the people who are front! down at front, or the people who are going to, you know, bring the energy that could affect the game. I want, I want the person who's going to be standing next to me, bouncing like a madman, and and uh, you know, will have sore knees and migraines the next day. But by God, will have helped Nebraska beat Iowa, Michigan, Penn State. Oklahoma, Colorado, whomever, you know, uh, I want, I want the energy that we see, that we see, have seen the last couple of, you know, night games, Northwestern Michigan. I want that Michigan energy. I don't want it bottled. I want it to rain down on Memorial stadium every game, but it won't because there, I guarantee you, there are still, there are some people who were at, who should have expected it at the mission gig game after that third quarter, when the lights went out, who were sitting there like it's loud Harold. You know, it's, and and it's unfortunate because they, you know, they're, they're the ones with the money and paying, you know, the season tickets that will never uh, pass out of their hands. They're not the big money boosters. Right. They're They're, they're, they're people that, that have had the same season tickets, you know, in their family for the last 50 years. And, you know, a lot of them are mom and pop. A lot of them are, 
you know, just, I mean, I'm not, they're good folks and they're, and they're good fans, but they're not, they're not contributing to the environment. And, yeah. you know, uh, my, my dad's 83 years old and I go to games with him and he sits clear up there in row 44 on the East side, section four. And you got to go back through the bowels and walk up all of these steps. I mean, it's a trek for him to get up there for the games. It's not easy for him in the bowels because he's been through quite a few uh, uh, proctology exams. Yeah, 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 he has. But, you know, when, when you look around in that, in that close proximity. You're so proud of yourself for saying that, God. I, I did he, that just to get that reaction out of you, John. He's not the only one. He's not the only one of his age up in that area. Yeah. You know, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if you really wanted to cater to your elderly folks, you know, let's in a lot of ballparks, they have family sections, you know, and that kind of stuff. Let's let's have some blue hair sections. You know, I mean, if you want right. elderly people, you know, cater to them so that they're it's accessible mm-hmm. so that they can get into the stadium and watch a flipping game what why is it such a bragging right to say we've sat in row 97 in the north stadium for the last 37 fucking years and we're proud of it never missed a game row 97 you know i'm geez one row for every year you've been alive sir Isn't that the truth? I mean, it just, I don't know. It, it's beyond me, but they could, maybe Trev Alberts is the guy. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's going to listen. Put the, I'm, I, I disagree with John just a smidge. If, you know, I'd like to see the students right behind the visiting bench. I always think that that is a great place to put the Most students. Disruptive. Put the band right behind the visiting bench. And anytime there's a goddamn timeout or something like that, play the loudest damn song you can possibly play. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that they could do different, but you know, it is what it is right now. And and we got a football team that um, they can go four and zero. They can go on four and four. That's where they're at, and that's what's so frustrating. This is where we're at. It, it, we're heading into the bye week. We have a football team that we're trying to sit here in three different locations in three different states, trying to concoct ways that we can affect change to help get them three more wins this season because it's the bye week and that's the kind of football team we have. We can't rely on them except that they'll be on TV at most every Saturday. So uh, John, I have two questions for you. One, uh, would you plug the podcast that you recorded earlier and uh, tell the folks where they can listen to it whenever it's released? Oh, oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, at least tell, at least I, tell them uh, who, who the hosts are. I did a podcast with uh, Danny Woodhead and Matt Slauson. Okay. And my and, follow-up uh, question. Oh, go ahead. I think the, the name of the podcast is. Out of nowhere. Uh, out of nowhere. That's it. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, my we'll second question is. From them. Did you plug our podcast on their show? I did not. Jesus. <laughs> well, that's our show, everybody. <laughs> we will never grow an audience because we don't know how to market ourselves. Uh, we need PJ Fleck to come in and uh, tell us 
you know, that everything is going right. And we're really proud of everybody else. And, uh, uh, everybody at black heart gold pants, we're so proud of them and everything that they're doing. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, that's just the kind of culture we're, we're creating here because our head coach dropped the fucking ball again. Wow. You really have a good point there, Greg. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it. Uh, it's the bye week so we can, uh, yeah. well, we can't have fun because we don't know how to beat Minnesota, uh, routinely. We're looking ahead. So Purdue will be fun. Uh, Are we'll we going to do predictions about the bye week? Yeah, I, I have a feeling that Nebraska is going to uh, lose in overtime. <laughs> I think we'll lose the bye week. Do you know how you lose the bye week, Greg? By not improving. No, one of two ways. One of two ways. Someone gets arrested. Someone enters the transfer portal. I predict that someone is going to enter the transfer portal. Adrian Martinez, it was nice knowing you. We'll see you on the field in a few weeks at Camp Randall. That's at the end of the year. <laughs> All right. Uh, for uh, John Johnston, our founder, fearless leader, and uh, of coordination, and the face of every aggrieved Husker fan on the internet. For Todd Wolverton, I'm Greg Mahachko. <laughs> Reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? There is no hope. Fuck everything. Go big red. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. (laughs) Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream.